Good morning, church family. It's good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. If you're guests, thank you for being here today. I'm uh, so thankful for my church family and how you love the Lord, you love God, and you're loving others and doing life in care groups. Thank you so much for being a part. If you're not in a care group, I want to encourage you to do that. Uh, join in, and just that's that's how we are caring for each other at Champion Fellowship. So if you can eat and you can talk, you're qualified to be a part of a care group, okay? And so it's just us doing life together. So if you're not in a care group and you'd like to know more about that, call the office. Susanna Moy would love to get you plugged into one. Also, if you would, while you're turning to Romans chapter 15, that's where we're going to be today, Romans chapter 15. If you have a Bible, please turn there. Also, while you're doing that, I want to remind you, on Wednesday evening, not only do we have children's ministry, student ministry, but we also have uh, Financial Peace University. Steve and Laurie Holt are leading out with that, with COVID-19 and all that our economy and just business is shutting down and trying to reboot and just doing life. Uh, now's a great time to be a part of that study. Um, Steve and Laurie Holt are doing that. On Tuesday evenings, we have prayer uh, as well. So it's not a time to talk and gab and talk about the prayer list. It's a time where we come and pray, right? Seven o'clock. So here at the sanctuary. So if you want to be a part of that, then come join in with that. So, all right. As we're getting into Romans chapter 15, Paul's wrapping up his discussion about uh, faith alone in Christ Jesus. That's how we are justified. It's through faith. And what is justified? Uh, how are we pronounced not guilty? Everyone, Paul has said in Romans, he says, everyone is guilty before a holy God. We've all fallen short. We all deserve death, right? The penalty for our sin is death. And the way that we are uh, no longer pronounced guilty is through faith in Christ, faith alone. Now, what's the situation? Why is Paul writing the church at Rome? We have Jewish uh, brethren, there are Jews who are saying that it's the law. It is their heritage uh, through Father Abraham as a Jew because they are a Jew and because they uh, keep the law. That is what they base their righteousness on. And so they are persecuting these Jewish believers, these Jews who have, uh, through faith in Christ, have received forgiveness of sins. So they're persecuting these Jews in the church and they're intimidating them. And so as a result of that, there are Jewish believers who are saying, let's add the law. Now, there are Gentiles in the church in Rome who are saying, no, we're, we agree with Paul. It is by faith alone. And so we've got this division. So these uh, Jewish believers are saying, Paul, why haven't you come to Rome? Why haven't you come to visit us? Well, it's because you're a liar, Paul. Uh, you're, you're a false teacher. You're ashamed of your gospel of faith alone in Jesus Christ. That's how you are justified. And so Paul says right away, chapter 1, what does he say? I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's a power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and then the Gentile. And he, in chapter 15, we'll see in the, the next part, next week, where he just comes out and says, the reason why I haven't come to you, it's not because I'm ashamed of the gospel. It's because God has commissioned me, Christ has commissioned me to take the gospel out into the Gentile world, the nations of the earth. And that's what I've been busy about. And he'll go on to say, I'm coming to Rome. I'm coming to Rome. I want to see you, okay? Rest assured. And so he's, he's writing to the church of Rome to, to clarify this by faith alone. By faith alone. That is how we're pronounced not guilty. So as a result of that, chapters 1 through 11, 
He expresses this. He defines it. He clarifies it. Remember what we said when we went to chapter 12. Because of chapters 1 through 11, our, our reasonable, our logical response to Christ, who he is and what he has done, is to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. This is the only reasonable, logical response from knowing Christ. And so then we, we walked out through, from there. Chapter 13, the law, dealing with the law. 14, how do we relate to our brothers and sisters in the faith? Those who are weaker in their faith, uh, do, we, do we abandon the law? Is it, no, 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 we fulfill the law. How do we fulfill the law? Through love. Remember that? And when 13 and 14, love is the restrainer in our life. When we would want to judge others, when we want to be a stumbling block and put an obstacle in front of their growth, what restrains us? Love. Love does no wrong to a brother. And so that's how we fulfill the law. Through love. Now we move into chapter 15. Paul's going to continue this discussion. He's going to continue this discussion on those who are stronger in their faith. How do they relate to those who are weaker in the faith? Paul defines in chapter 14, the weaker in the faith are the ones who want to add the law. Those who want to uh, abstain from eating certain foods and drink and observance of days. And so he says, here's how we're going to deal with this. and We're going to walk through this, okay? All right, let's stand if you're able to. In honor of God's Word, we're not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to stop today with, in chapter 15. We're going to do 1 through 13, verses 1 through 13. And he's just continuing this conversation. He says in verse 1, Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Now may the God who gives perseverance and encouragement grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that with one accord, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept one another, just as Christ also accepted us to the glory of God. For I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers and for the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy, as it is written. Therefore, I will give praise to you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. Again, he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. Again, Isaiah says, There shall come the root of Jesse, and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles hope. And now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Uh, God, I am amazed at how much you love us, uh, that you would choose to take it upon yourself to pay the penalty for our sin. Lord, we have offended a holy God with our sin. We deserve death. We deserve punishment. But you chose to substitute yourself, put yourself in our place, and pay for it with your death on the cross. Lord, uh, we as those who've experienced this salvation, what a great salvation you've given us. 
It is by grace that we have been saved. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. We have done nothing to deserve this salvation. Thank you. May our hearts rejoice today with joy, the joy of our salvation, that you would choose us to love us that much. Now, Lord, as we walk through these verses, I pray that we'd be encouraged in our faith, encouraged not only to love you, but to love each other well, to love as you've loved us. May you bless during this time. May we be encouraged in our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I was walking through this text, I, I was thinking about leadership. I'm always excited about leadership and how to develop leadership and how we can grow out, grow in our leadership because leadership is in every part of life. You find yourself in different relationships, and at some point in your life, you are required to lead. You cannot escape leadership. So whether it's in a marriage, whether it's in the family, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in school, and different elements of life and different relationships, each one of us will find ourselves needing to take on leadership. You with me there? Okay. So as we are walking through this text, uh, it doesn't spell out the term leadership. However, it should impact leadership. Right away in verse 1, we will see this. Now, I was as I was contemplating this and I was just kind of plowing through this in my mind, I was thinking about a time when I was working on my master's in marriage and family counseling. I'm commuting to Dallas-Fort Worth. We're living here in Brenham. Busy, busy time, and I, and I made it halfway through, and I'm going, Lord, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get there. I wanted to quit. I was, I was done. And so I had someone, a mentor, who, who came along beside me, and he said, Tim, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel right now. I know you're ready to give it up. It, it just seems like too much. And my mentor said this, even though you can't see it, even though you can't understand it, you've got to follow through. You've got to hang in there. You've got to endure. So I did. And he was right. I looked up one day, and I'm getting ready to graduate. I'm, I'm going, whoa. And it, it just started clipping by. His words were so true. So uh, as I'm you know, just fast forward with rearing children, some of us are parents here. I remember my son was halfway through college, and you know what? Here, here it comes. You know what's coming, Dad? I'm done. <laughs> I, I'm just fed up with it. I'm tired of class. I'm tired of the exams. I'm tired of the busy work, and I'm tired, tired, tired. I just want my horse, and I want to work cows. That's all I want to do. I said, and now parent, parent mode. You know what's going on in the mind? I've invested so much. Lord, he's got to follow through. He's got to finish. He's got to do the work. He can. So we have this conversation. Son, I know you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I know you just, you just can't, you can't relate. But, son, I promise you, I promise you, if you'll hang in there, if you'll endure, you're going to get there. You're going to get there. And you'll look up and go, man, I'm so thankful I endured. The key word I want you to see is endure that you endure. Hadley ended up going through the same thing. Many of us, well, in leadership in the church, for many of us, we find ourselves in relationships where there's there are those in the church, and you can see this in the workplace, you can see it in relationships. There are those who don't have the, the understanding that they need in order to move on, in order to keep on, keep going. 
And in leadership, what do we see? We're having to endure their lack of understanding. This is the first thing I want you to see in verse 1. Leadership endures. What Paul, he's turning this Roman world upside down. Because in the Roman world, the strong call the weak to serve them. In the Roman world, the strong would be served. And what Paul is doing, he's turning this concept, this paradigm upside down. Look in verse 1. He says, now we who are strong, now he's already defined who are strong. Those who are who believe that it is faith alone in Jesus Christ. You have this freedom in Christ. You, you're no longer bound to certain days, certain foods, and abstaining. You're, Christ is the only one who's fulfilled the law. You are free, free in Christ. Those who are strong in their faith, they understand the freedom that they have received through Christ. These who are strong are to do what? They ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. This bearing the weaknesses of others, what does he mean by that? It is in Galatians chapter 6, he uses that phrase. It is to come along beside, to come underneath with that brother or sister. It means to, to bear, means to endure trying circumstances. So in our leadership in the church, those who are strong of faith, they are to endure the weaknesses of others. So there are those of the church of Rome. Those Jewish believers who are adding the law, the Gentiles are, are with Paul, it is by faith we're saved. He's saying, look, the strong in faith, you need to endure these trying circumstances. There are those who are persecuting you. There are those who are condemning you. There are those who are judging you. They're criticizing. Endure the weakness of their faith. Endure. Stay true to the relationship. Because there is an end goal with leadership. There's an end goal with the strong in the faith. We are to endure through trying circumstances in, in the church. We have, in this congregation, in two services, we have people from the Lutheran church, we have people from the Catholic church, we have people from the Methodist church, we have, we have Pentecostals, we have Baptists. So we've got people from all different walks of life. You know what's been amazing in 15 years that I've seen? You know what has united us? This common faith in Jesus Christ. And there is a respect and a love. There's a reverence for Christ. There's a love for Christ that has enabled us to come together from different walks of life. And we don't have the same understanding of Scripture. We don't have the same understanding of faith. And there are leaders in this church who said, that's okay. There are those who are of different lifestyles, different beliefs, different desires, and they come in, and we are called to love them, to receive them, and walk with them, and not judge them, but walk with them through Scripture and hold each other accountable. It's not that we dismiss accountability. It's not that we throw accountability to the wind. No, it is through love for Christ, reverence for His Word, that we go to Scripture and say, but what does God say about life? And we endure we endure the conflicts, we endure the strife, we endure the criticism, and rest assured, there's been a lot, there's been plenty of criticism through the years. Make no mistake. Been a lot of knives, a lot of daggers. It comes, it's part of it. So what Paul is saying, when people judge, when people criticize, when people condemn, when the knife is in your back and someone's twisting it, you endure. You endure. Those who are strong in the faith. You endure, come alongside those who are weaker in the faith. Leadership endures. 
Leadership does not quit because of conflict, strife, and what's coming your way, persecution. I want you to notice. He says, the weakness of those without strength, and not just please ourselves. Those who are in leadership, you get this part, and not just please ourselves. Here's where he turns it upside down. The strong uh, have this sense that the weak are to serve them. He says, no, the strong, we're not to just please ourselves. That, that phrase, that word please, it means to render service. And so the strong are not to um, expect the weak to render service to them. He's saying the strong are to serve the weak. Whoa, this is huge. Brothers and sisters, this is huge because we're going to see who's he pointing to here in a little bit. Who would be our ultimate example? Christ. He's going to lead us to that example here in a little bit. So he's turning this leadership world upside down. Those who are strong in the faith are to serve those who are weak. And and that service, what it looks like, is enduring these trying circumstances, enduring the persecution, enduring the conflict, the judgment, and all of that that comes our way. We stay true to the relationship. We bear that upon ourselves, and there's a purpose for it. There's a goal. So leadership endures. But look at verse 2. Each of us is to please his neighbor. Render service to his neighbor. Remember chapter 14. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. That's the restraint. Love guides our behavior. Love moves us to a certain behavior. And so in verse 2, each of us is to render service to his neighbor, to please his neighbor for what? His good. That's spiritual profit. Not profit as in thus saith the Lord, but gain, profit for his good, his or her good. What he is saying here is that in that weakness of the faith, as the strong endure, stay true to the relationship, we come alongside, and even though there's a lack of understanding, even though there's conflict, even though there's judgment and criticism, we walk together because we want that individual to move to a spiritual strength that they did not have before. So we go to the Word of God, we're walking in relationship and our desire. We endure this conflict. We endure this strife because the end goal is to move that brother or sister to a stronger location in their faith. Endure. Endure. Leadership endures, and leadership does something else. I want you to see this in verse 2. For his good to his edification. To his edification. Leadership builds up. Leadership is never to tear down. Leadership in the church is always to build up to his edification. Uh, Many of us at this point would just read ourselves into the text, right? What do you think? Okay, I need to be edified. I need to be built. This is not what he's saying. In Scripture, in the original language, he's using a word that means the building of a house. Now, you've heard this term, the house, before, the building up of his house house, right? He refers many times in Scripture, Paul does, to the body of Christ. We've talked about many becoming one. Paul has used that that phrase, a house, the building up of the temple of God, the temple, the body of Christ, the building up of the house. It is the many into one. Paul would say, and Peter would say in in 1 Peter, he would speak of the the Jewish believers because he's writing, 1 Peter, he's writing to the Jewish believers believers scattered abroad, it was, you are living stones, part of a holy temple being built up into this one temple. As believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are many becoming together one to build up the household of whom? God. 
the body of Christ. And so as we're in relationship, this coming along beside a brother or sister who are weaker in their faith, they don't have the understanding, they're not in that place of strength, we are pouring into them, into this relationship, enduring to build them up. They would understand their place in the body of Christ. They would understand the glory of being a part of his body and to be free in Christ. Okay, so leadership endures, leadership builds up. I want you to see the next thing. Leadership follows. Verse 3, he is now pointing to Jesus Christ. Every good leader, please hear this, every good leader is a great follower. What do you mean by that? Every good leader is a great follower. Well, we understand those who are in positions of authority also answer to a higher authority. It's always about you being faithful in that place of authority that you've been given, whether it's a husband, a wife, a parent, a student. There's all these authority relationships submitting to authority in our lives. The problem comes when we refuse to submit to authority. And that's when we get in big trouble. And that's the struggle we have as a nation today. We have, uh, we have children, we have young adults who have thrown off submitting to authority. They have never been taught the need to submit to authority. Parents, let me give you a statistic. You have, if you're a young parent or you're single, you're thinking about becoming a parent, you need to understand this. You have basically five years, five years to teach your child the need to submit to authority. Once that's ingrained, now whose authority are they to submit to? As a parent, I'm filling the role of that representative of God. So, uh, child, you got a problem with the parent. It's not really a problem with me. I'm just standing in the place, the gap. I'm representing God. So really, when you buck authority, it's not me you got a problem with. It's God you got a problem with. Five years. Now, here's what I see happening. And I'm just... I know I'm chasing a rabbit, but I think it's worth it today. I see couples that focus on their careers and getting ahead. And rightly so. We, we have to make a living, right? I get that. But many of us are so focused on that, we forget that we have that first five years to really develop that. And so sometimes I think we might think about flipping that to where uh, one person in the marriage relationship focuses on paying the bills if possible. And sometimes it's not possible. I get that, okay? But some, somehow, some way, we've got to figure out and understand that in the first five years of that child's life, it's so important that they understand the need to submit to authority. Now, Mom and Dad, you figure out how that needs to work for you, okay? But my, the, the, the deal here is in verse 3, leadership, leadership follows. And Paul is pointing out Christ is the example. Christ is the one we follow. In verse 3, Paul immediately points to Christ. As it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Psalm 69. Let me, let me read the, the previous verses. He's citing uh, verse 9. But listen to verse 7 and 8. Because for your sake I have borne reproach, dishonor has covered my face. He's speaking here. The psalmist is speaking of Christ in relation to the Father. I have become estranged from my brothers and an alien to my mother's sons. That sound familiar? Jesus and his earthly family? Okay. 
And then he goes on in, in verse 9, the reproaches. What is he saying? The reproaches of you have fallen um, on me. The insults, the shame that Christ experienced, that's pointed to God the Father. And in John 8, uh, Jesus is calling out the religious leaders. In John 8, he's saying, you are of your father the devil. If you were, if you were for the, God the Father, then you would know me. You wouldn't be trying to kill me. You're just simply following your father. He's been a liar and a thief from the beginning. He calls them out. And so really the problem is not with the Son of God. It's with God, the religious leaders. They're rejecting the Christ, the Messiah. He's saying these insults, the shame, it's all falling on me. Now why would Paul point to that? Because as he's talking about leadership in the church and those who are strong in the faith, you need to understand the reproaches are coming. You need to understand the insults are coming. You need to understand the shame, the judgment. It's coming. He says, hey, same happened to Christ. The same happened to Christ. We're not any greater than our Messiah, the Savior. Jesus would say, if they did it to your teacher and Lord, will they not do it to the same to you, speaking of persecution? So he, right away he's pointing to Christ as the example. And then in verse 4 and 5, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. We might have hope. What, where's, where have we seen this before? Chapter 4, chapter 5, where Paul would call out Abraham. He's, he, remember, he's speaking to these Jewish believers who tried to add the law to faith. He's in chapter 4, he says, look, Abraham, his faith in God was Reckoned as what? Righteousness. His belief in God was reckoned to him, credited to him as righteousness. Through faith, Abraham, apart from his works, apart from circumcision, circumcision hadn't even come on the scene yet, and apart from the law wasn't even written, it wasn't even given to Israel at this point. So before circumcision, before law, his belief in God, his faith in God, and what God said was reckoned as to him as righteousness. Through faith. He's using Abraham as the example. Through faith, through faith, through faith. And then in, he says, it has been written. Genesis, the Scripture, all the Scripture has been written so that we might be reminded, we might be instructed of this faith. And what would it produce in us? Hope. In Romans chapter 5, he talks about perseverance. As, as we walk through verses 4 and 5, speaks of a perseverance and encouragement that would grant to you, look in verse 5, grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. What is he going to do? Through faith in Christ, he's going to build our faith. He's going to encourage us. He's going to help us endure. Because when you get to chapter 5, Romans 5, he speaks of this faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and then he moves into God using these circumstances to refine our faith, to prove our character, that our, our faith is authentic. And through all of that process, it's producing in us hope. That word that you're going to see several times is hope. 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 Hope that has been placed in Christ. And through Christ, what is to come? Resurrection. We're, all of this is moving. I want you to understand. All of this is moving. God, through faith in Christ, he's saving a Jewish nation, a remnant, 
Because the nation rejected, yet there's a remnant that take the gospel out into the Gentile world. When you see Gentiles, think nations, think peoples. Because the Jews rejected, this Jewish remnant that did believe, they take the gospel out into the world so that Gentiles are able to be brought into the family of God. We're Gentiles. Unless you're of the Jewish nation, unless you're a Jew, you're a Gentile. You're outside of the nation of Israel. And so we have a lot to be thankful for, that God would be so merciful and gracious to send the gospel out that we could be saved. That's the mercy of God. So as we're walking through this in verses 4 and 5, what has been written for our encouragement, for our perse- uh, perseverance. Now, what, what is happening here? Jews, the church of Rome, Jews and Gentile being brought into one. To be of the same mind, the same understanding, it's through faith in Christ alone that we're saved. Not of works, Paul would say uh, to the letter written at Ephesus and that was sent abroad. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's by grace we have been saved. Now I want you to see this oneness coming together. Because leadership follows the example of Christ. Leadership follows, but then leadership unites. Look at what God is doing. Leadership is uniting through faith in Christ Two becoming one, multiple peoples becoming one, so that with one accord we might do what? Glorify God. Jews and Gentiles. As you move through the text, you're going to see this coming together. The gospel, Paul's taking it out into the nations. He's sharing with the Gentiles, and they are being brought in through faith in Christ, many becoming one. Now I want you to see this. Verse 8, for I say that Christ has become a servant to the circumcision on behalf of the truth of God to confirm the promises given to the fathers. A Jew would understand this term. Servant of the what? Circumcision. In Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah 49, we see the prophet uh, pointing to Christ. And this servant of God in Isaiah 49 verses 1 through 7 The Lord called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He named me. He has made my mouth like a sharp sword. You've heard that phrase before, sharp sword. You're going to see it in Revelation. In the shadow of his hand, he has concealed me. He's made me like a select arrow. He's hidden me in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant Israel. Speaking of Jesus here, verse 4, But I said, I have told in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and vanity. Does it sound familiar when Jesus is rejected by the Jewish nation? I've done all of this for vanity. And then God the Father, through the prophet Isaiah, would go on to say in verse 5, Now says the Lord who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him in order that Israel might be gathered to him. For I am honored in the sight of the Lord, and my God is my strength. Verse 6, it is too small a thing that you should, this is where we should get excited. This is where we should get excited. It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations. This is Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah. Centuries before Christ is even born. I shall make you, what, a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. Thus says the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and its Holy One, to the despised one, Jesus Christ, on the cross, to the one abhorred by the nation, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes shall also bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. Speaking of the Christ, and he is bringing the nations to the ends of the earth, the servant of the circumcision, the Holy One of Israel, 
is now through faith in Christ bringing nations and peoples together as one. And so in the, the following verses to the Gentiles to glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, verse 9, you see a Jew praising God among the Gentiles. Verse 10, you see Gentiles praising God with a Jew. What is this? And then you see in the next verse, Gentiles is praising God. You see this unity. So leadership unites. Leadership endures, builds up, serves. The servant of Israel, leadership serves. And so in him, the source of the salvation, verse 12, is whom? Christ. He is the one who gives salvation. And in verse 13, now may the God of hope, here's a prayer for Paul, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Through this faith in Christ for the forgiveness of sin, we should have incredible joy. Because if it's up to me to earn that salvation, I'd never get there. I'd never get there. I could never be good enough. Now, why do we want to wear a mask and, and act like we are able to do it? Why do we want to hide the fact I'm just never going to be good enough? I just need to, to, to just, just call it for what it is. I'm jacked up. I'm messed up. I'm a sinner. I've been saved by grace, and I'm going to fail. I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to learn from those mistakes. I'm going to learn and be accountable to God. And I'm going to, as Romans chapter 12, I'm going to let my mind be transformed renewed through faith in Christ through the Word of God. I don't have to stay there in that muck and that mire. I can grow. and I can become stronger in my faith. And as I know the freedom in Christ, joy, peace. See, I have incredible peace today. My life has not been easy street by no means. Many of you have a story. You've got a, you've got a, a story of how you've endured and walked through life, and there are times where you didn't know how you were even going to get up. And on the inside, you felt the shame and the weight of your sin. If you, some of you can totally relate to this picture of being so devastated over your sin that you've been curled up in a fetal position on your bed saying, God, I can't even get out of bed. I'm just nauseous. I'm ready to throw up. I'm done. And it's like your guts have been ripped out of your body. Your weight, the weight of your shame and your sin has been to that magnitude, but yet you've cried out to a holy God for forgiveness, and you have felt the flood of peace come in and the love that has overwhelmed you. And you're, you, you step back and go, God, I had no idea it could be like this. Truly, Paul's prayers answered where the joy and the peace filled with that. He says that it may, uh, through those believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit that does all of this work in us. And so I'm able today to abound in hope. You see this hope, hope, hope. What, what, what's, he, what's he driving here? What's to come? Because I've placed my hope in Jesus Christ, I'm looking for what? The resurrection. I know today I'm going to have problems. I know today I'm going to make mistakes. I know tomorrow I'm still going to struggle with this body of sin, sinful flesh, right? But my hope is in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. So today that blood just keeps covering the sin, 
keeps covering the sin, enables me to come back into the presence of God through prayer and the Word and the fellowship of believers. I, I can, I can, there are things that I've done, and God has forgiven me. And I can, and me knowing this, maybe nobody else knows it, but I know it, and I come into the fellowship of believers, and we're worshiping the Lord. And I can experience the peace of God, and I can still praise Him in the assembly because of the blood that covers all my sins. Are you with me? Do you, you understand what that's, you have that revelation, that understanding? Then we of all people ought to endure with other believers. Now here's the key. Here's the key. Because we're talking relationships. So there are going to be those in this congregation that aren't going to be there with that understanding. They're not free in their faith. Maybe they're weaker in the faith. We have to make up our minds. We've got to be resolved. I remember when my son, before he went into high school, you know, junior high's a nightmare, right? Junior high's a nightmare. Nobody wants to redo junior high, right? Are we unified in that? Can I get in? Okay. So when he was in junior high and it was a horrible mess of understanding life, he's getting ready to go to high school. I said, son, before you get to high school, you need to make up your mind right now on how you're going to respond to temptation. So church, we're not really persecuted in this time, right? Compared to other brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, the early church, we've got it pretty good here today. Last I checked in this last hour, I haven't seen anybody panicking over who's going to come through that door. We've been able to relatively... Worship in peace today, right? But the day is coming. The time is coming when we're going to be persecuted for our faith. It may not be to the magnitude of other people, but we've got to make a decision. Are we going to stay united as the body of Christ at Champion Fellowship? When times get hard, when we get called out for our faith, leadership, are we going to endure? Are we going to cut tail and run? Are we going to stay hooked up? Are we going to be united? Are we going to build up the body of Christ? Are we going to serve? Are we going to endure the attacks? Are we going to cut tail and run? Are we going to be falling prey to temptation to take the easier path to go and hide? To let someone else take care of it? Leadership can be a very lonely place because leaders are called to make the right choice even if it's the hardest. We do not have the luxury of the soft chair. Leadership is tough. But Christ is sufficient. and Christ is able. We can do this through Christ. We can forgive each other. We can come together, and through the love being poured out in the body of Christ, we can endure. And even when we miss it, even when we get angry, even when we get upset, even when the pastor fails you, and I have and I will, we can be resolved and stay united in Christ. Amen? So uh, I'm going to ask Jason and the worship team to come. Let's go ahead and stand, and we're going to sing a song. And thank you for enduring the sermon today. And as we are singing, 
okay, as we're singing, some of us may need to pray. Some of us may need to confess that, you know, Lord, I've been self-serving. I've been about myself and my desires and pleasing myself. Uh, Some of us may need to pray and say, you know, Lord, I, I haven't been faithful to relationships. Some of us may need to pray and say, you know, I just need to get some things right with you, Lord. Maybe we've just been selfish and haven't followed the example of Christ. Maybe we put ourselves ahead of the witness of Christ. I I don't know. You know. You know your struggle. I don't have to know. Some of us as parents are enduring our children. Some of us are struggling. Our kids have run amok and are in rebellion. We don't understand how to get them back. But Jesus does. And there's some parents who've already been down that trail, and they need to come along beside you and encourage you. So whatever we need to do today, let's, let's spend this song to pray. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, come. Ask how to be saved and have a relationship uh, with a holy God through Jesus Christ. Whatever you need to do, the altar's open. Uh, Walter and Linda are down here. They work with our prayer team. Rick and Laura are here. They, they'll be glad to pray with you. I'll be here. Alan, just, just, let's just respond to God's Word as we need to. Lord, thank you so much for today. Lord, I am so thankful that you have been so patient with me. You have been so gentle with me. I have. There are times where I've run amok with my life. There are times where I've been angry. There are times where I've been impatient with people. There are times where I've, I've tried to be the Holy Spirit and convict people. And Lord, enough, enough. I just want to surrender to you. And as a pastor, as a husband, as a father, as a brother in Christ, a friend, Lord, I, I just want to be available, be used by you to encourage my brothers and sisters in their faith, to walk with them. And Lord, just to grow a people to love you and to love others and share Christ. Thank you for this time. Help us to respond accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen.